Welcome to Hope City Church, Melbourne, Australia. Stay tuned for another inspiring message by Pastor Andrew McGrath. Genesis 15 verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision saying, Abraham, don't panic. Don't be afraid. Don't be scared. Don't freak out about life. I am your exceedingly great reward. Whenever you receive a promise, you already know this. There will be great conflict. For those who received a promise, there will be conflict. So when you got bored again, the first conflict was you went home and the devil said, you made that all up. That's not real. It was in your imagination. So there was a conflict. There was a war over the promise. And it was the same for Abraham. He knew that there was, there was pressure bearing down because he was beginning to, to take steps to follow the destiny path that God had for his life. And many of you have endured much conflict in your world. You've believed for great things, and it's like you've come up against a brick wall. Take courage. Whenever you have spiritual whiplash, it's a sign you're on the right track. The devil doesn't waste his time with things that aren't genuine. That's why all hell breaks loose when you get on the money, when you hear from the Lord. He wants to kill every move of God in its infancy. You know, we talked last week about Miriam understood that, so she built a boat for the promise to live in. So you can understand that, that the war is not about you so much. It's about the promise that is in you. Persecution comes because of the word. So the enemy is afraid of what the word's going to do in you, what the promise is going to bear in you. And I read this passage of scripture. And I begin to understand that the devil wanted to pollute Abraham right from the beginning, pollute his perspective. Look at with me, look with me in verse 2. It says, So God comes to Abraham and says, Abraham, don't worry, don't be stressed out. And Abraham says, Lord, what would you give me? Seeing, seeing, this is what Abraham's seeing. I go childless. And the heir of my house is Eliezer. And he wasn't even from Abraham's own flesh. Abraham said, look, seeing, look, look, you've given me no offspring. And that's what the devil wants to do right from the beginning. He wants to pollute your perspective to kill, not only kill your promise, but to stop you receiving the promises of God. This is what I've discovered. Those whose perspective of life is hopeless. That's what a polluted perspective is. It's hopeless. When you have a hopeless perspective of life, it is almost impossible to receive the word of the Lord. Prove it. Okay, I will. Mark 4. The, the, the soil that is barren, hard, full of thorns and, 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 and stones, that is the soil where when the seed comes, it can't penetrate. And the birds of the air pluck it. I, I, I say that there, is, there are many Christians who because of their perspective of God and their world and their life, they have had seeds rain upon them of future and hope and destiny. And the enemy has come 
and being able to steal those seeds because you haven't been able to perceive them because your, your persona, your disposition is so negative that you couldn't believe that that could be God speaking to you. So the seed comes to your life and it can't bear fruit. It can't take root because of your e-all disposition. Abraham says, God, you're no hope to me. You're no help to me. I'm childless. This is what I'm seeing. Look, you've given me nothing. This is my perspective. I'm in this tent and all I can see is that I haven't given birth to any child. You've given me no offspring. And I believe the number one goal of the enemy is in your life and mine is to create a mindset of hopelessness. Are you hearing me? Of hopelessness. This is what I'm seeing. No hope. No future, you've given me nothing, you haven't come through, and he's trapped in this world where his perspective of life is narrow, limited, and offended. And that is the very place where you can never give birth to what God has for you. Verse 4 says, And behold, the word of the Lord came to Abraham, saying, You've got a point. No, say that, okay? It said... This one won't be your heir, but one will come from your own body will be your heir. In effect, God was saying, stop looking at what you don't have and the enormity of your problem. Abraham, stop it. I don't want to hear it. How many have discovered you can get angry at God? You can, you can, you can yell and complain about all your problems, but God won't respond to your pain. God won't get in a slangy match with you. You can get angry at God. He's got all the time in the world. He will wait till you get out of your pain and renew your perspective so you can see the provision that's before you. If you won't leave the tent, you won't find provision. If you stay locked in a mindset, in a perspective that life is miserable and tough and God hasn't done this and this and this, you won't get your promise. You won't get your provision. You've got to leave the tent to see the sky. Have you ever been in that tent locked in? Oh my God, how am I going to... Oh, I've been like that. I know you think that I'm a supernatural, amazing pastor, and it's true. But I have days where I, get, I go back into my tent and I shut the latch and I spend a whole day in there looking at the enormity of my problems. And it's very easy to spiral into a perspective that life is tough and I go childless. How can you bless me? What's the purpose of blessing me? It's going to die with me. And this is what he thought. So God invites Abraham. Come out of your tent, Abraham. And he's saying the same to you. And here's a challenge. A lot of us have grown very fond of our tent. We've set up camp in our tent. We're defined by our tent. We share our tent with other people. We ask others to come and join us in our tent. And eventually our tent is full. And it's very difficult because our tent is an accumulation of all the experiences of our life, our perspective of how God failed us or didn't come through or was a bit late, was too early. And we build up this fortress in our tent and it's a dangerous place to live. And God is saying to you today, will you leave your tent 
perspective. Will you choose to see what I see? Abraham's saying, Lord, this is what I see. And God says, I can see what you see. That's why I'm calling you out of the tent. Because what you see is not what I see. You see limitations. I see a sky full of stars. Who's right? Who's right? No, both. They both? God was right and Abraham was right. If that's what you see, that's what you will get. If you see a tent full of problems, that will define your world. But see, this is the wonderful thing. God's inviting you to come and see what he sees, to live a different way. Abraham had come, as I read the scriptures, to a whole lot of wrong conclusions about his life. And that's where hopelessness sets in. If you're feeling hopeless today, it's only because you've got the wrong conclusions about life. And I want to write your wrong conclusions. You've got conclusions that aren't true. That's why you feel hopeless. God's perspective is always higher than ours and always brimming with hope. May the God of all hope, Romans chapter 15 verse 13, fill you with joy and peace in believing him. May you abound with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. See, when God looks at you in your future, he's brimming with incredible hope. Who's right? God's right. He, He sees that. Now, you're seeing your little future. You're seeing your tent. But God's saying, I want to take you to a bigger perspective. I want you to see what I see. Steve Backlund writes a lot about this. We've had him here. And he says, and you know, many of you know this, that our conclusion about our circumstance is more important than the circumstance itself. Yeah. Isn't that profound? Your conclusion about your circumstance is more important than the circumstance itself. See, if your conclusion is, I'll never have any money, that's a bigger stronghold than the fact that you have no money. Because I'm here to tell you, God can send money from any place to you. And he does. Well, it doesn't for me. It's because you've got a wrong perspective. When I ask God, how do we reach this city? Because I've got a plan. God's given me a plan to reach all of this city, every sector of society. I said, all right, God, what's the plan? And do you know what he said? The plan first is to find people that believe I have a plan. Because if you don't believe he has a plan, if you don't have hope for your life, there's no place for the promise to come. Hope is the 30, 60, 100-fold ground, and that's where the seed comes. If you don't believe that God has a plan, that everything's going to get worse, how could you ever receive the plan? If you don't have a God perspective of all of life, that everything about God is good, his purpose is good. Yes, there will be tribulation and trial and there'll be things will come against the word, but that's not God. God's going to be with me. He's going to get me through. He will see me through every trial and tribulation. And when I come out the other side, I'll come out on top. I'll be better for it. I'll be stronger for it. In hindsight, I'll look at those trials and say, God, Thank you for what I learned through that. It's a perspective of life. And when you've got a right perspective, that's when God can begin to speak to you. Change your perspective about your future. How's your perspective of life? Is your life good? 
Is your life good? Yes. Is God going to do good things for you? Yes. Steve also says, he, say, he says that any area of our life that's not glistening with hope is an area where we are believing a lie. And that area is a stronghold of the enemy. Any area that you look at in your future and there's no hope, there's like confusion, that's the area that you're believing a lie. And that very area is where the enemy will set up a stronghold and work from there to destroy your future. So I want to say to you, what area in your life is an area where there's no hope? Where you've just given up. You said, well, that's always, or it's too hard. I'm not going to go there. That's the area that's not glistening with hope. And for Abraham, it was a child. The enemy knows where to hit you. See, because he knows where the promise is. And Abraham was called to be the father of many nations. So where would the enemy come against him? His ability to reproduce. When I'm feeling hopeless, that's the time when I'm being the most deceived. It would pay for us to remember that. When I feel hopeless, when my perspective of my future is dull and grey and lacking life, that's the moment when I'm being the most deceived. And I don't know about you, but I pray a prayer regularly, God, if there's one thing you can do for me, I know there's more, but if you want to start with one, please don't let me be deceived. To me, it's one of the greatest things that I can see with clarity. I can see truth about myself, about my circumstances, about my, my church, about my city. Cause me to see what you see. Wherever I'm feeling hopeless, that's the area where I'm feeling deceived, where I am deceived. And I don't know about you, but even this week or last week, there are moments where I look at things and a sense of hopelessness. I said to Karen, I woke up feeling hopeless. I hate that. I just got to sleep. i dead to the world. Within an hour, I wake up and this blanket of hopelessness was covering me. That's not God. That's not God. Many of you have felt the same way. You've woken up one day and you feel hopeless about life. The enemy's come to deceive you. He's saying it won't work out. It's too hard. God has forgotten you. He won't come through. That is a lie from the pit of hell. And he wants to set up a stronghold in your life based upon the lie that says your future is finished. And I'm here to tell you he's the God of all hope. And he's going to fill you with hope today by the power of the Holy Spirit. He's going to rise up within you. Hope comes from the Lord. He will rise up within you and he'll cause you to laugh at the enemy and his plans and to glisten with hope. You can't help but win. See, whatever the enemy does, if he shuts a door, God will open another. If he closes down an opportunity, God's got 10 more. When he comes in one by, he'll flee seven. God cannot be defeated. He'll never be taken by surprise. So we believe as a church that God always has a solution. Amen? Amen. In him are the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So when I don't have a solution for my future, instead of feeling hopeless, I choose to believe that within me, this is what, how hope, this is a disposition. I'm talking about a general disposition. I have a disposition that a solution is at hand. What a way to live. Oh, I've lived years, days, 
months, I don't know what it is, filled with no peace, stress, anxiety, lose my joy. It's because I feel like there's no solution. Oh God, what am I going to do? I've sat on my stairs, this was many years ago, a few little crocodile tears because I was a man that I don't cry. I was only a couple on the side. A bit of sweat, a bit of tears. Saying, God, what am I going to do? It's hopeless. There is no way out of this mess. Have you ever felt like that? Yeah. But we believe there's always a solution. And do you know the truth is, there was a solution to my crocodile tears. God did come through. Amen. I'm still here. We believe that not only is there a solution, but there's always provision. My God will supply all of my needs according to his riches in glory through Christ Jesus. We believe there's always a solution. There's always provision at hand. But you'll never find provision in your tent. Provision comes when you leave behind a fallen perspective and get a hope-filled perspective. Because the only ones that find provision are those that are filled with hope. I'm going to show you why in a minute. So I felt God say to me, Andrew, hope is a disposition. Faith is a now position. Hope is a disposition. It's the 30, 60, 100 fold. Faith, which I think we'll tackle next week, is a now position. It's a seed, a word from the Lord that comes to me. And I found the more I cultivate a right disposition to life, the more... The now faith word, that position that comes from God that says, now act, the more that comes. Have you found that as well? The ones that hear the most from God are the ones that have a hope-filled disposition. Now, mind you, they're not getting more seeds than the one that's hopeless. They're just retaining more seeds, perceiving more seeds. See, God's speaking to you, hopeless one, wherever you are as much as he speaks to a hope-filled one. The hopeless one just can't hear. And that's why God came to Abraham. You're going to have to come out of that tent so we can do some business. Where true hope is, and here's, here's, I'm going to unpack hope. Wherever you find true hope in a man or woman, there is always peace and joy. You want to know if you've got hope in your life? There's going to be joy and peace abounding. And it's really important, as I'm going to show. Romans 15, 13 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you would abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. You're going to need joy and peace for faith to come. And hope, in hope is joy and peace. They are part of the same equation. And I guarantee you that in that tent, there was little joy and little peace in Abram's world. They're like measuring indicators. Well, how do you measure hope? Well, just do a little measure of, am I a person of great peace? And how is the joy level in my life? If those are down, I'm telling you, your hope level is down. If joy and peace is up, hope is up. So... Why peace in hope? What's the connection? Well, peace positions us to hear. I've written as a quote, Without hope, there is no real measure of peace or joy. 
And we need a calm spirit to perceive what Holy Spirit is saying. Peace positions us to hear. Remember, seeds are coming all the time, but if I can't hear them, then I can't get my provision. Remember, I preach a sermon, God can't speak to me when I'm uptight. Have you noticed that? When you're uptight, you're not receiving the word of the Lord. And hope is a, is a pervading understanding, disposition of all my world. And when I'm hope-filled, peace is there. And when peace is there, it enables me to hear the word of the Lord so faith can come. Hope must be there for faith to come. Hope must be there. If there's no hope, faith will not come. There must be hope. There must be hope. There must be hope for faith to come. So when I'm in peace, I hear God speak his word to me. And faith rises up. I love that. When I'm at peace. Because, see, when I, when I see all of my life being taken care of by God, I've got a hope-filled future. And that's not all the time. It comes in waves for me. I'm, I'm working on it. Working on getting better. But the moments that I am filled with hope. And that's why I love Abraham's story because he's a man of faith and great hope. But he has his moments. He encourages me. And I want to encourage you today because I've heard some preachers and they preach and you think they'd never had a day without hope. Well, that could be true, but it's not true for me. I'm still working on it. But when hope is strong... I'm at peace. I'm not stressed out about my future because I know it's going to work out. And it's there that I can hear God speak. I can hear answers to problems. I can see provision. It's so important. And one of the things that peace will do in the midst of hope, because the enemy is coming against the seed. He wants to attack the seed. See, seeds are coming to my hope-filled life all the time. But the enemy is coming to attack them. And if I can stay at peace in my perspective, it will guard the seeds that are coming to my life. Yeah, Philippians 1.28 says, Don't be alarmed by your opponents, which is a sign of destruction for them, but it's of salvation for you. And when we're at peace, it gives us great authority. It gives us no, There's no authority without peace, and it's the stand of peace in the midst of conflict that defeats the devil. When I'm at peace... It releases the authority that I have against the devil. You need to understand there's incredible power if you will stay at peace. He can't rob the seed when you're at peace. And hope-filled ones are filled with peace. I don't know how it's going to work out, but I know it's going to work out. I'm at peace. There's a rest. And whenever I feel the agitations in my soul, I know I'm in a dangerous ground where the enemy can come and rob me of my hope pollute my soil where the seed's going to come. So I've got to do everything in my spiritual power to maintain a stand of peace. See, peace and joy are part of hope. And if I maintain my peace, because my dis... And see, that's why it's important to have a good disposition about your life. The more you're convinced that God is for me, the more you're filled with hope, the easier it'll be for peace to reign in your life. But if you're not convinced about God's future for your world, your peace will come and go. Every time something defies the hope-filled future, 
peace will start to be robbed and, and, and crashed upon. But I, I know that the more I'm convinced of the goodness of God pervading all of my life, the easier it is to stay at peace. And peace is a weapon against the enemy. He comes to steal my seed, but there's authority that comes from peace. I think most Christians underestimate the power of peace. You can bind the devil, but if you're not at peace, my friend, you lack authority. It's peace in my world because I have a conviction that God is for me. That's the peace that comes and it brings authority. So whenever you feel agitation and nervousness and angst in your heart, you need to remind yourself, God's got my future covered. I have a hope-filled future and peace will rise up. And that's when you take authority against the enemy. The Bible says the God of peace will crush Satan to a pulp under your feet. See, when, I, when I'm in Christ and allow his peace to flow through me, it is a great weapon against the enemy. I believe personally that it's the, one of the greatest forms of spiritual warfare is to stay at ease when the wind is blowing. Amen. Jesus rebuked the storm after he slept, not before. So I suggest to some people that are binding and loosing, maybe it's time to sleep first. Maybe you have no authority to bind and loose until you can sleep. If you're not at peace, you have no authority to bind and loose. To get your heart right first before you start taking authority over something you have no authority over. The Bible says the peacemakers are the sons of God. Think about that. When you are filled with hope, you've, you, you actually are a living factory of peace. You, you, this, your spirit actually creates peace. You are a peacemaker. Now, I know some people say that's what well, make peace between people, but I believe that your spirit makes peace. It releases peace into the circumstances. Whenever there's conflict, See, that's why some people can walk into a place of conflict and their peace comes out, begins to minister. My friend, there is great power if you would just allow God to take you out of your tent of limitation and fall in perspective and get a hopeful perspective. It will bring peace to your world. And when there's peace, there is great authority over the enemy. And secondly... Hope brings peace, but hope also is connected with joy. Listen to this scripture, Psalm 16, verse 11. Joy is a great weapon against the enemy. When you're pressing into your future, it's the great weapon against the enemy, and it brings us refreshment and enables us to go through the course. Psalm 16, 11 says, Therefore my heart is glad. And my spirit rejoices. My flesh will rest in hope. See, hope and joy are connected. You will not leave my soul in Sheol. Do you know, Jesus triumphed in hope, in the most hopeless place. Did you hear me? I keep, I've said it many times. If you think you're up against a tough 
place. You may be, but Jesus is proving, and you are in him now. He's saying you can go to the darkest place and yet rest in hope and be full of joy. It is possible. You will not allow your Holy One to see corruption. I underline that word see. You will show me. I underline the word show. You will show me the path of life. I want you to know today that God's going to change your perspective to see. He's going to show you things in the darkest, what seems to be the most hopeless situation, and he's going to fill you with joy. If you can see with a hope-filled perspective, despite all the challenges that are coming, you will be filled with great joy. See, the reason why the enemy takes our joy is because when we look into our future, when we look at our circumstances, we're seeing them with a wrong perspective. The Bible says of Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross and despised the shame, and now he's seated at the right hand. See, Jesus was able to endure such persecution and there was such joy at the same time because his perspective was different to ours. He was able to see what God was doing. And you need to have the conviction in your heart. Even when everything is going wrong in the natural, I choose to see what God is seeing. And if you will do that, great joy will rise up in your heart. Great, great joy. I believe that Jesus went down to hell laughing all the way. And that's why hell had to vomit him up after a few days because they couldn't stand the joy. If you want the enemy to stop attacking you, try laughing for three days. You'll find your resurrection. Hell was not able to keep him down. Why? Because he kept laughing. It goes on to say, in your presence is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures evermore. David said, where can I go and flee from your presence? If I go to heaven or if I make my bed in hell, you are with me. So that tells me that when Jesus went down to hell... The presence of God followed him, and in his presence is fullness of joy. I believe that Jesus laughed so much that hell exploded and vomited him up like the whale of Jonah. Mark 4.16 says there are some like who received the word on stony ground, hopeless perspective. And they receive the word with gladness, but they have no root in themselves. They endure for a little time, and when persecution comes, not if, but when, for the word's sake, see, I told you Satan's not after you, he's after the word in you. They give it up. They give up their joy. And I'm here to tell you today, don't give up your joy. Don't let the enemy steal your joy. Laugh at him. Do you know what? I felt miserable during the week. I know it's amazing, but I did for just a little moment. And I felt God say as I was, I might have even been typing my sermon. I can't remember. He said, try laughing. There was no one in the house, so I thought I would. And I laughed. And do you know what? It'd been a few days since I... You know, felt the tangible presence of God. And I'd prayed and prayed in tongues and done lots of things. But as I began to laugh, I felt the presence of God come all over me. Try joy. Try joy. And they gave up. See, isn't it interesting? They received the word with joy. I think God was giving them a clue. As you receive it, so walk in it. And, and that's like salvation. We receive it with joy and then trials come and we give up 
the very it's, it's a defense mechanism from the enemy. It keeps our wheels oiled. The joy of the Lord is our strength. And see, if you're low in joy, it's because your hope perspective is not where it ought to be. And God's saying, get out of that tent, get out of that perspective. Begin to get a new view. God, you are good, you are faithful. Read through the Psalms and remind yourself of the faithfulness of God. How often would the psalmist say, God, it looks like you've deserted us. But I go back and I remind myself of what you did at the Red Sea, how the horse and rider were thrown into the sea. And they, begin, they began to remind themselves of the faithfulness of God and you see their hope perspective change right through the psalm. I love the psalms because God shows us man's perspective and then when they realign themselves with God, hope comes, answers come, provision comes. It's time for a new perspective. So I want you to agree with me when it comes to joy. That we're going to build a hope perspective of all of life. And, my and because of that, our peace is going to get stronger and stronger. Our joy is going to be renewed. And so I, I want you to think about some of these statements, how they can apply to your life this week. Let's make a decision because we are the hopeful ones that we are going to build a stronghold of joy in our lives. We talk about the enemy's strongholds a lot, but what about God's strongholds? How many people would like a stronghold in their life? A God stronghold. Do you know what? If you build God strongholds, the enemy strongholds will be broken. I told you, the enemy cannot stand being around joy-filled Christians. I'm talking about true joy. I'm not talking just about, and I'm not saying this is bad, but just someone who laughs in church and then goes home. I'm talking about somebody who truly knows how to cultivate a spirit of joy no matter what the circumstances are. Yeah? So we're going to build a stronghold of joy. The next time the enemy comes and begins to speak his lies, look at the natural, look at what's going on, we're going to laugh at him. Yeah. We're going to cultivate, you know what, devil? I know my God is a hope-filled guy. He's the God of all hope. He's got an answer. He's got provision. He's got solutions. Get lost, hairy legs, and begin to laugh at him. We're going to make another one, another commitment, which is I am a carrier of infectious joy and I will release joy to others. I've got to remind myself of this. And it's even more so for people who are, who their natural disposition is, is, is um, what's the word? Introverted, introspective. You know, um, they're the great thinkers, the poets, not all, but you know, they're, they're very focused on their world. But I've got to remind myself all the time, it's not just about me, but I'm going to cultivate infectious joy in my life and give it away to others. Somebody needs the joy that I have. We're going to make a commitment that we're going to release joy in our lives because we're the hope-filled ones. And lastly, even in the midst of uncertainty, I will live from a place of unshakable joy. How many people today... You don't need to put your hands up, but you're facing uncertain times. God's saying, well, come on, come out of your place, your tent. Come out of that. Come and see what I see. I'm the God of all hope. I've got solutions. I've got more solutions than you've got problems. I've got provisions coming out of my nostrils. I'm just a walking, talking provision machine. Come out and see. Come out and see. Because we're so locked into our little world. And God like that, he can change it all. 
And when you step into that, joy flows. Peace comes. And you know, we, we've talked about making those commitments of joy and peace. And there are commitments that we mentally make. But they all come from a perspective of hope. That God, you're the God of all hope. Everything about my future is covered. And when you come from that, see, hope is a conviction. It's an understanding of the goodness of God that pervades my world. And I've had to step back and look at myself and say, do I really have that like I should? Do I have a pervading conviction that no matter where God puts me, it's going to work out? Now may the God of all hope fill you with joy and peace in believing Him. And may you overflow with hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. See, now this hope is not something that you conjure up. I don't want you to go home and say, right now, I'm going to be hope-filled this week. This is a God-breathed gift. It comes from the Holy Spirit. He's a spirit of hope. And so that tells me something, that it's already there. How exciting. Look at me now. This is not something you need to grab from here or find in a book. It's actually already there in the person of the Holy Spirit. You are in disguise a hope-filled one. <laughs> For Abraham, it was just one step. And his whole perspective had changed. It wasn't a long walk. It was just one step out of the tent and he could see the sky. The sky was always there. It was just covered by a tent. A wrong perspective. I want you to know that hope is already there inside you. It's just covered by a fallen perspective. The hope-filled one is living in you. So that tells me I just need to say, all right, Holy Spirit, you are brimming with hope. Romans 15, 13 says that. So begin to rise up in me. Change the way I think, the way I feel, the choices that I have. Take control of me. Possess me with hope. Read Romans 15, 13 every day if you need to. Remind yourself, this is who I am. Now, who I'm trying to be, Abraham, step out. Step into your true destiny. And he looked at the stars and everything changed. So why don't you lift your hands with me today as we close. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that we are the hope-filled ones. There is no hopeless circumstance. Because you've filled us with hope and you've got a solution and a provision everything that we face and so Lord I just take authority over the deception of the enemy who would try and cause us to live inside a fallen perspective of life I break that and I call every believer here today to step out of that perspective into a hope filled world I call you out of that I speak over your life that there are solutions and provision and blessing and reassurance and love for all of life with your name on it. I bless you now. I call up hope within you to rise up. Rise up and let it pervade every aspect of your disposition. I speak over the disposition, the atmosphere of every person here today. And I say, be filled with hope. Let it pervade 
your thoughts, your lifestyle, the very air that you breathe. Let you be, I say you are covered with hope today. You are the hope-filled ones. And just while every eye is closed, I wonder today if, if there is anyone here that's never asked Jesus into their heart. He is the God of all hope. True hope comes from Him alone. He's, he says, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I know your past, your present, your future. And He wants to come and live inside you and give you true hope. And if you've never asked Jesus into your life, I just wondered whether you would um, allow me to pray for you today. Just lift your hand up really high if you're here and you've not asked Jesus into your life. And you'd like to do it. Is there anyone here today? That's cool. So Lord, I just pray for these people today that you would bless them. This week, let them be filled with hope. Lord, when the enemy comes to steal their hope, remind them of what was said today. Let the word come back. We don't want to just be hearers and walk out and forget. But let us be doers. Let this word keep coming back again and again. You are the God of all hope, and you fill us with joy and peace in believing you. Your joy and your peace position us, Lord, for a disposition of hope, and they position us to hear the now word of the Lord that will bring the solution and the provision that we need. So I bless them now in Jesus' name.